If we all just put our hands together as uh, Brian comes up and shares the word with us. Morning, church. A very warm welcome this morning, and especially if you're here for the first time. I'd like to welcome you here to C3 Port Headland. Um, also like to welcome back those who've just come back from presents and from holidays, and uh, great to have you back here this morning. And uh, this morning, it's really worth also welcoming uh, those that are online. So we've got uh, connect groups in Tom Price, in Newman, in Broome, and Caratha. And if you're listening this morning, welcome. Also, if you're listening and you're not in a connect group, but you're just listening online, you're very welcome this morning, and we're glad you are doing so. Um, this morning, I'd like to just thank the music team. Um, isn't it great that every week they do what they do? So let's thank them. Thanks, guys. You can... Um, Sit down if you'd like. And uh, I'd also like to just uh, mention our pastors, David and Lil. We saw them up on the screen earlier. I think as a church, we are very, very blessed to have them as our pastors. Um, they have a heart for the people here, a heart for Port Headland, and a heart for the gospel. And uh, they want to see the kingdom grow. They want to see people come to know and love the Lord. So um, it's fantastic that we are blessed to have them as our, as our spiritual leaders here at C3. So um, yeah, let's just uh, give thanks as well to the Lord for them. Well, this morning, um, we're going to carry on on a series. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to open in prayer. So let's um, pray and then we'll carry on. Lord Jesus, we want to come before you this morning. And Lord, we want to thank you that you are worthy of all our praise, of our adoration. And Lord, that we owe our lives to you. And we thank you for that this morning. And Lord, we pray that as we come to look at your word this morning, that you would touch our hearts and lives. Lord, that you would speak to us and uh, help us to see those things that we might need to change in our lives. And Lord, things that will make our lives better. So we just pray this morning, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, well, we're doing a series, uh, and it comes out of a book by Craig Grishel, and it's a book called Hashtag struggles. Now, um, just funny enough, this morning the kids were saying, well, hashtag struggles is outdated. That's a 2017 concept, but the struggles are still real. So, um, so we'll carry on with that series. And uh, this is actually the, the final one in the series. Um, I've been away. We've been away on holiday. We drove down to Perth last weekend. We drove back up. And so I missed the two firsts in the series. And so what I did is I went online, which is fantastic that we can do that now. I was able to go online and to listen to them. And I found them very challenging. I don't know about you if you've been here, um, but I found them really challenging. And I think the challenge is this, is that anything that masters us, anything that controls us, is an idol in our life. If that is not God, if it's not God who is in control of our lives, then that thing is an idol. And I guess the challenge with uh, electronics, whether it's a mobile phone, whether it's an iPad, whether it's a computer, doesn't really matter, linked to the internet, the challenge is how much of our time and our life is controlled by that. Do we have mastery over it? So, um, so I really got a lot out of the, the first two. This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at contentment, and contentment in the context of um, sort of the modern era of electronics and electronic media. And so um, that's really the theme of the day. I went to uni some time ago, I probably shouldn't mention when, but it was back in the 90s and uh, 1990s, and I thought I had arrived. When I went to uni, I got a mobile phone, and I'm going to ask Elmer to pop it up on the screen. It was an Alcatel, there it is, and um, fantastic mobile phone. It was really actually a phone, that's what it did. 
Um, it was not an internet, mobile internet, it was just the phone. And um, I thought it was wonderful. It uh, was about the size of a little brick and um, used to carry that around and that was my first phone. So it looked just like that. So we've come a long way. Um, we've come a long way with technology and uh, I suppose many of us are glad we have. So I was pretty slow to get into the 21st century. I think it was only about five years ago that I actually got my first smartphone. And um, I thought, oh, I better get onto Facebook. That's what everybody does. So I got onto Facebook and I started to connect with people. And it was quite exciting. I found people from school that I hadn't seen for maybe 20 years. And um, it, was, it was really good. I could keep up with cousins and family. And, um, and, and that was fantastic. And then it developed a little bit further. And I got WhatsApp and Messenger. And now we use Evernote and whatever. There's a whole lot of, and many people on Twitter. And there's a whole list of them, I suppose, more than we, we could name here. And, uh, and so things have changed a lot. And I found in that five years, I started to enjoy it more and more, using it more and more. Um, and, and it actually became, has become something that I, I look at a lot. And so that's why Pastor David's message was challenging. Because um, how often during the day do we stop and look at that phone and, and is it governing our lives? Well, I also noticed on Facebook there are different kinds of users. And this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but see if you can recognize yourself in one of these. I noticed that they're those people with the wise sayings. So you get all the very clever sayings, um, and some of them are not so clever. Um, and then you get the people who are the selfie people, and it doesn't matter where they are, there's always a selfie. And, um, and then you get those who depict their perfect life. So, um, so it's always some idyllic spot or something. And, and I joke because we're all sort of do that on Facebook, right? We're all part of it. And so there's different categories of people who use Facebook in different ways. And, and you can probably laugh and see yourself in that a little bit. Well, I enjoy seeing old friends and family. I like keeping up with people's birthdays. I'm not good at looking at birthdays normally, but Facebook's great because it always tells me when somebody's birthday's coming up. So, so that's fantastic. It's a good way to um, keep up to date and, and people know you're thinking of them. Uh, this time last year, we were able to go to Sydney to the President's Conference, and I was able to connect with someone I went to school with who was a good friend at school, but I'd lost contact over the years. I went to school with him in Cape Town, and he's obviously now married with a family, and it was really, really nice to meet him and meet the family. And so, really what it is, is there's a lot of good out of social media, right? We, we can keep that contact, and there's a lot of good that can come of it. Um, but you know, every now and then I look at the posts that I see on Facebook and I see somebody's out with a whole group of friends and they're camping and they're having a wonderful time together. Or um, they're at a social event, you know, next to the pool with a barbecue and they're watching sport or whatever they're doing. Or they're having a wedding. And, um, and, and I, the thought sort of crosses my mind, well, I should be glad for them, but I would like to have been invited to that or, um, you know, I wish I had friendship like that. And, um, and so sometimes there's uh, a little bit of relational envy creeps in. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's not that uh, things are going bad for me, it's just that I feel a little bit left out. And, uh, and so that sort of comes in and it spoils uh, one's contentment a little bit. And uh, that's a risk that we face, right? So um, now don't everybody rush out and invite me to everything because it'll be too obvious. So let's just... <laughs> so, let's, um, 
There was also a time when I had to work six days a week. So I was working six days a week, had one day a week off, and all my friends were out there posting pictures and enjoying their time out on the beach with the family or playing sport or whatever it was on a Saturday particularly. And, um, and it would feel a little bit, um, I feel a bit left out, perhaps a little bit envious of their circumstances. And uh, so that circumstantial envy creeps in a little bit. So, so you can have the relational envy that I mentioned, circumstantial envy. How about you? Um, do you find sometimes when you're looking at social media, when you're looking at a shopping app, do you have a little bit of discontent creeping in because um, of what you see and where your life is at? Um, I think it's something that we might struggle with. So you might be a mother and you look at the social app and you see uh, somebody's there with their little Billy playing with um, Gemma. And, um, and you think, oh, I should be really happy for them, but what if my little boy could have been there? Like, if only I'd been invited, um, my child would have enjoyed that as well. And, and so it sort of spoils it a little bit in terms of um, actually celebrating for those people what they're enjoying. And so we can get discontented. You know, you might be lonely and you look at people posting nice fish pictures on Facebook, as many of us do, and you think, oh, if only I got invited to go fishing. Uh, I always see these great photos, but I don't get invited. And so um, you might be in the material envy category. So you see somebody's bought a new house, and instead of celebrating with them, you think, oh, I, I've been trying to save for a house for years. I don't even have a deposit, let alone in a good area and a house with a pool. Um, they might have got a new car, and you think, well, that car's got sat-nav and reverse, um, reverse cameras and, and all the modern technology, and it, I'm lucky if my car starts in the morning, you know. So it's kind of, it depends where you're at, but the, it could be that you can feel a twinge of, um, of envy or covetousness when, when we see what we see on, on um, social media. And I think that is a challenge for each one of us, um, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, so that's part of the challenge that we're looking at this morning. Could be running your own business and uh, you happen to sit down to relax at the end of the day when you get a minute and there's somebody in the Maldives sitting at the poolside. They're on their long service leave on their round the world trip and you're thinking, I can't get leave, I don't have time, I don't have money and I can't do that. And so there's, instead of the joy for those people, it's a little bit of, um, of, of jealousy perhaps. So there was a study done, and Grushel mentions this in that book, and he says that uh, two universities conducted a study, and what they did is they took a sample group of people, and five times a day they did a survey check-in with them to see how satisfied they were with their life. And the interesting thing that they found is on average, um, whenever somebody had been on social media, their satisfaction with their lives had dropped and they were more critical of their own lives. So that was the pattern that they found in the studies, is that um, people's actual satisfaction with their life declined when they'd been spending time on social media. So that's social media. What about buying online? Do you find that once in a while you get goods and the shirt doesn't quite look as good as it did um, in the pictures? The shoes don't quite fit? And then after a day or two, that novelty's gone, and you want to go shopping again to try and get that fulfillment. You know, when I grew up, we had a high street. We called it Main Road, and it had shops that opened from 8 till 5. Um, and uh, these, these shops, uh, that was Monday to Friday, and sometimes, I think, on a Saturday morning as I got older. And what it meant is that um, you could do your shopping there. If the shop had it, you got it. If the shop didn't have it, that was that. Um, and on the weekends and the evenings, you had to do something else. You had to spend time with your family or go play sports or go to church or do things like that. 
Nowadays, we can shop anytime. We can shop globally. We can look at all the products available around the world. We can do it 24 hours a day if we like. And that's very convenient, um, but it can also lead to an obsession. So for some people, it is an obsession, and we can spend hours and hours of quality time comparing products. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I, I can go online and look at fishing gear or whatever it is, and there's so many, so much choice that it can actually spend hours comparing, can I get it cheaper? This one comes with no postage cost, but that one there's um, actually cheaper price and you know, trying to work out what you should buy. And we can run up a lot of time doing that, and um, we can also run up overdrafts, and um, not take a break and you know the thing is this so what we do is we we look for the next thing that we're collecting that is going to be convenient for us and for our pleasure um, but in that process we can become shopaholics and find that it doesn't bring contentment the greenpeace website i had a look at the greenpeace website and they said that on average the consumers in china and i suppose it's a big sample group that they looked at spend at least two hours a day shopping online it alleviates stress and boredom and it kills time. And I think that's true, it does kill time. Their research showed that the excitement of shopping spree lasts on average a day and then for half of the respondents. Half of them felt guilty after they'd been shopping. Their conclusion was that shopping does not make us happy. We already own too much and we know that. And they talk of a vicious cycle and I guess advertising as well, desi exploiting desires for friendship, happiness and success. And their conclusion is, materialism is eating us inside out. And um, I think it, it can be true of us as well if we let it. So, well, this week I'd prepared the sermon after the holidays and I was, um, on Tuesday, I was thinking, I just need a bit of a catchphrase. What is the thing that sums up this contentment thing? And so we came on Tuesday to the opening session of the Presence Conference, and Pastor Phil Pringle said something that struck me. He said, change your entitlement to praise. And I thought that's exactly the, the summary, if you like, of the contentment discussion. Change your entitlement to praise. It's a great phrase, you know, because the whole thing about the media is that we are led to believe that we're entitled. We should have this. We're entitled. We have the right to have everything that everybody else has. Um, but if we take that and turn it around and we start praising God, then uh, a whole attitude changes and it brings that contentment. And it brings a focus on God, which is what we're supposed to do. So here's where we get into the Bible, but I'm going to ask if we can put up 2 Corinthians um, 10 verse 12. So 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. Um, they are not wise. And, um, and that's very, very true. So that's obviously the Apostle Paul writing that. Um, and very, very true. When we compare ourselves and commend ourselves by ourselves, we're not wise. When we feel entitled, we want what others have and we want what we see. But the focus is always on us and on our comfort and our pleasure. And it leads to envy, jealousy, and a never-ending quest for more things and more out of our life. And I think we could sum that up as discontentment. So we need to be wary of comparing our lot in life with other people. 
It's, uh, I think, the area where social media can be a trap for us. I mean, in many areas, but this is one area where we can fall into a trap. If we get involved with shopping apps and social media on a regular basis, we can start to feel that discontentment. Well, one more Bible verse, James chapter 3, verse, or section verses 14 to 16 says, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. And uh, you might say, oh, isn't that a little bit out there, every evil practice? Well, I think there's a lot of things that come from that. It's clear that God does not want us to envy and compare our lives with others. Envy leads to every kind of evil practice, so it's no surprise then when God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 20 that he says, you are not to covet, and he's talking to us as well, we are not to covet. So how does um, not being envious or covetous, how does that um, impact us? Well, you see, if we don't covet and we don't envy, it'll help us not to have idols in the place of the Lord. When we covet things, we risk um, allowing ourselves, our pleasure, and um, our comfort to become idols instead of Jesus being our focus. It would help us not to steal because a lot of people may steal something that they covet or envy. It would help us not to commit adultery because we wouldn't covet our neighbor's partner. It would help us not to bear false witness because envy leads to bitterness and anger. And so, temptation to bear false witness against somebody. Um, it, it would help us. And I'm going to give you two quick stories. Um, the one story comes from Genesis chapter 4. So, um, the first two sons born to Adam and Eve in the Bible are Cain and Abel. Abel was a farmer, if you like, of, of animals, livestock, and um, Cain grew vegetables or fruit and veg. And um, they both brought a sacrifice to God, and God accepted favorably Abel's sacrifice. And we know in the context of the Bible, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so God was setting a pattern for what would happen when Jesus died on the cross. Um, but Cain was jealous or angry with his brother. He was angry because God accepted his brother. So if you like, it's relational envy, isn't it? He was envious of God's pleasure with um, his brother Abel, and it led to him being angry. And if you know the story, Cain went out in a field and killed Abel. So that's an extreme case of envy. There's another one in the Bible that I want to mention, and it comes from 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we won't read the whole passage, but you might remember King David in the Bible is referred to as a man after God's own heart. And so he's a man who did, for the majority of his life, he sought the Lord. Um, and he was known as a man after God's own heart. And God made great promises to David that through his lineage, the Messiah would come. And so we know Jesus comes through from the line of David. And, um, and yet we have the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, where David, one day looking out of his, off his balcony, he sees Bathsheba bathing, and he covets his neighbor's wife. And so what happens is a long succession of, of things that go from bad to worse. He then covers up what he's done when he commits adultery. And in order to do that, he has her, wife, her husband, Uriah, murdered. He orders that Uriah is put to the front line of the fighting and that the rest of the troops withdraw when the battle is at its worst. And so Uriah gets killed. 
And so what started as something as uh, covetous or envy, looking at his neighbor's wife, ends up in not only adultery but also murder. And so, um, so we see all of these patterns in the Bible, and, and, um, and I guess that's why the, the root of many evils, if you like. Grushel says, we are not designed by God to seek the image of others. We are designed to seek him being God. We're not designed to seek the image of others, but to seek God. When we get sidetracked with social media, we are taking our eye off the ball. And from that passage in James, we are not to boast about selfish ambition. So I think we need to come to a point in our own lives where we say, actually, yeah, we do sometimes have a problem with this. Um, and sometimes we are not content because of what's happening. And a starting point is to acknowledge that, and then one can take steps to address it. So, so selfish ambition, I believe it is good to want to improve ourselves. So certain ambition is not a bad thing, but it becomes bad when it is selfish, when it is at other people's expense. All right, so enough of all of that. How do you apply it to your life? How do you apply this stuff to your life? Well... We need to remember that people put their best foot forward when it comes to social media. So I'll give you a quick example. I post pictures of big fish on Facebook from time to time. But what you see is the big fish and me smiling. What you don't see are all the days when my boat wouldn't start. Um, you don't see the day when I was driving down the road and the trailer collapsed and uh, caused the tire to burn and blow out. Um, and that took me a few hours on the side of the road in the heat of summer in a very precarious place to fix the trailer and the tire. You don't see when um, I ran aground because I misjudged the tides and I was about 50 meters off the edge of the um, creek and uh, trying to retrieve my boat before it rolled over and uh, the midges were, or sand flies were biting and carrying on. Very uncomfortable. You don't see the days um, when my steering seized or when it's leaking hydraulic fluid or when I get up really, really early to avoid the heat or the seasick moments, which have been many. So um, what you see when you look at my Facebook post is you see big fish and you think, wow, that's great, caught big fish. But um, all of that other stuff you don't see. And so the fish is not the sum total of it, right? My, the story behind it is much bigger. So we must not compare our average moments with our friend's best. So what happens is we're looking at their best moments that they put on Facebook and we're comparing our average moment with that. And that in itself is a recipe um, to leading to discontentment. So we only show others what we want them to see. We know that God does not want us to compare and not to be envious, so how do we do it? All right, the first one is pretty obvious, quit comparing. So when we compare, we do one of two things. We either look down on other people because we say, oh, we're better than them, so we become proud, or we feel hard done by and envious perhaps, and so discontented. So neither pride nor discontent is a good thing, so better we rather don't compare. Um, it might be that we've got to give a shopping app a break for a while, or maybe change a social media feed. If somebody always posts something that upsets you, maybe just change your feed a little bit so that you don't have to always look at that. It might mean if you know you can't afford it, don't go to the boat show or the Thermomix demo or the car show or whatever it is because if you know it's going to be something you're going to want but you actually can't afford it, then just maybe give it a skip. And um, we can fill that time that we would spend doing that with other productive things and that's probably one thing we can do. 
And I, I suggest we make one change at a time. You can't change everything, but you can change one thing. So maybe instead of first thing in the morning and last thing at night, looking at shopping apps or social media, maybe wait until you've had a quiet time first with the Lord and uh, then turn on your phone or have a look at it. Or So there's things like that that we can do that actually change it. The second one, and this is maybe the most powerful one, is be glad when others succeed. So it's really, really hard to be upset with people and envious if you're actually celebrating with them at their success. You see, when we see others blessed, we should give God thanks for blessing them. We should celebrate that success, shouldn't we? Um, and Grushel says this purifies our hearts, and I think it does. It's a case of celebrating both their success and our own success. So it's not one or the other. It's a win-win, right? We celebrate their and our success. We can pray for others to be blessed. And uh, the caution here is when we pray for others to be blessed, we better be glad when they are blessed. Um, and sometimes they get blessed more than we are, right? So um, this, this goes for our church as well. We pray that God's name would be glorified in Port Hedland. We pray for churches to grow. So what happens if the church down the road has 500 people and we've only got 200, for example? What happens there? Should we celebrate with them? And the answer is yes, we should. And um, it's not always easy to do, right? But when you celebrate with others, um, you can't really be that envy. It kills envy, doesn't it? And so um, we should celebrate as long as God is worshipped and glorified in other churches. Romans 12 verse 15 encourages us to rejoice when others rejoice. And then the third thing that we can do is to grow an attitude of gratitude. Um, so you've heard that one before. Grushel says, envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in our own lives. Resenting it in others and ignoring it in our own. So we need to be cup half full people. Trouble isn't hard to find. So I'm sure if you wake up looking for trouble every day, you'll find trouble. Trouble's not hard to find. And, uh, you know, we are to enjoy what we have, and that is the secret to contentment. Now, Proverbs 15, verse 15 says, For the despondent, and this is the New Living Translation, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. And that's the point. If you look for trouble, you'll find it. Um, but for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. And, and that's the challenge for us, you know. Um, so you can wake up in the morning saying, oh, this week is so busy, I am so busy, and we can complain that we're too busy. The flip side of that is we could look at it and say, thank you, God, that I have a job to go to. Thank you that I can take time to do your work, that you've entrusted us to do that. Thank you, Lord, for a family that's healthy. The family have got lots of activities. It's great that we can have a healthy family. And so we can look at the same situation two different ways. We can complain that we're too busy and overworked, and, or we can be really grateful that we can be busy because of all those good things that God has given us. Um, so the attitude choice is ours, and we've got to make that choice. So an attitude of gratitude. Um, our contentment comes from loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. It's not comparing our lot to others. And I think this is where what Pastor Phil said sums it up so well. He said, change your entitlement to praise. Well, these things go a long way towards stopping envy and comparing and, um, and to being contented. God wants us to be contented, I believe. Um, it's part of the good life that he wants for us. 
Well, imagine if as a church we were to do this. So what would be the impact on our church? And, um, and probably to a large degree as a church we do do these things, and that's fantastic. We'll be content with what God's given us. And I think as a church we'll be known as a people of praise. So we will be known for worshipping God, for praise. Quite honestly, if you think about it, who wants to be around somebody who complains all the time, somebody who grumbles and finds fault in others, somebody who's always down in the dumps, somebody who is negative? People don't want to be around that. People gravitate towards those that are positive and happy and are looking for the positive in others. And, and so we should take a leaf out of that and say, well, that's where we should be. People are attracted to those who see the good in life, in life and in others. So we would celebrate each person's success and put God first. We'd look to him, not envying others. We'll be content in the moment, and I think this is a big one as well, because a lot of people, and some of us probably during our lives, fall into the trap where we're always living for another day when things are going to be better, when we have more money, when we've got more time, when we've got whatever. But we miss the moment that we're living in, and we are to live in the moment. So um, that's, that's really what would happen if, if we are contented. We'll be living each moment to the full. And after all, we don't know how many days God has ordained for us, so we might as well live each day to the full. Looking forward to the future, um, but living each day um, for the full. As a church, we'll be positive, supportive, grateful, and we'd seek the good of all. And C3 will be a place where people want to come and want to worship God, and where God is praised. Amen. Well, you might be in a situation this morning, and we haven't talked about the gospel as such. Uh, you might be here for the first time, you might be visiting, you might be exploring what Christianity is about, and really, in a nutshell, it's very simple. It says, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Every person who has sinned will die, and all of us fall in that category. But the gospel, the good news, is that God became a man. He, became, he lived and walked amongst us. He lived the perfect life that God requires of each of us. And Jesus died a life, a death that he didn't deserve, so that he can give us a life that we don't deserve. And, and that's the gospel message. And so this morning, um, we're going to have an opportunity. We'll stand to our feet in a few minutes, in a few moments. And um, I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're all going to say the prayer together. And then um, if you have never put your faith and trust in the Lord and you want to pray this this morning, I encourage you to do it. And take that step and know that you're going to be with God in heaven. So please stand and we'll pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are altogether worthy. Lord, thank you that you walked on earth as a human being. Thank you for your perfect life of obedience. Thank you for dying in agony on my behalf. And Lord, thank you for rising from the dead to prove that we have new life. I, com I commit my life to you and desire to live for you from here on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, while everybody's heads are bowed, is there anybody here who prayed that for the first time this morning? If you could just raise your hand, we can give you something afterwards and just congratulate you. 
Thank you. Also, I want to just say, um, if there's anybody now, we're going to have a quick time of ministry. If there's anybody here who feels that something we've said this morning has touched their heart, if there's something there that connects with you um, and you want prayer, or if you are sick, as we said already, um, and you feel that you would like to pray or have prayer and hands laid on, then please come forward. Um, please come forward now. We'll have a few minutes. I'll ask a few of the leaders, um, Unami, Stephen, and others to come and pray with you as well. And um, it's an opportunity. And we really, really believe that God heals. We've seen it many, many times. And we have that trust that God can heal. So if that's you, please come forward now. Thank you. Jesus, we